Today, in episode 7 of the AUENV 233 Dirt on Soils podcast, we will be discussing the fertility of soils, how to assess soil fertility, and some potential impacts on overall soil fertility. But first, let's hear from our friends, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The first question is what exactly do we mean by soil fertility? The definition we will use is the quality of a soil that enables it to provide essential chemical elements and quantities and properties for the growth of specified plants. So how can we quantify this measure? One way to consider soil fertility is to flip that around and ask what is an infertile soil? Two pictures on slide number four show two environments that would in all likelihood be considered infertile. The picture on the left from the Arctic tundra is a generally wet soil with an acidic condition and low in plant available nutrients. The picture on the right from a tropical forest is highly weathered and nutrient poor. However, both support plant growth continuously. So what gives? The conundrum here is that soil fertility is most often defined from an anthropocentric agricultural perspective. Can we grow a crop here? This means that fertility is largely what we would call This means that fertility is largely what we would call an agronomic definition. It is a measure of soil health and is focused on nutrient availability. The interesting aspect is that the concept of fertile soils really has fueled civilization. Evidence of agriculture dates back to about 12,000 years ago. Very fertile areas supported the ability of early humans to begin a shift from a hunter-gatherer role to a more agricultural society. If we look at the great civilizations, most are actually centered around areas with excellent soil quality. The Middle East, where advanced cultures were present, is known as the cradle of civilization, and it's where farming first emerged, along with associated technologies like irrigation. It's also known by another name, the Fertile Crescent, an area that encompasses modern-day Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Palestine, and Jordan. This fertile crescent refers directly to the quality of soils that were there that supported that agricultural development. Of course, with prospering civilizations, we've increased pressures on providing those resources. As these areas developed and relied on production from the soil, they became aware of ways to maintain it. There are Greek texts that advise spreading manure and avoiding erosion. While the Romans were aware of different types of soil and where crops grew best. One specific example is becoming aware of the role of specific plants in boosting fertility, specifically legumes. Moving into the 17th and 18th centuries, we had producers applying lime to the soil to improve fertility, even though pH was an unknown concept until the early 20th century. They also used cover crops and crop rotation to nourish soils and improve yields. With the enlightenment upon us, individuals started to consider the chemical makeup of soil and exactly what substances were essential and thus potentially limiting to those plants. When considering all of the various required inputs for plant growth, a metaphor proposed by Justus von Liebig was that of a barrel with various sized staves or wooden pieces. Each piece represents a specific input. Maximum yield would represent the level of water in the barrel. That level is limited by the shortest stave. So it doesn't matter how much phosphorus is in the soil if there is a deficiency of nitrogen. This becomes the limiting agent. 
As we continue to grow as a civilization, there's less and less connectivity to the soil. This sometimes leads to neglect as its importance in our daily lives is being lost. There are three basic ways one can take a measure of soil fertility. These are field observations, plant tissue analysis, and soil analysis. Careful integration of all of these are the best approach to diagnose problems. Although the lab approaches can provide confirmation, there is really no substitute for careful observation in the field. So what would we look for? Several of the hallmarks of a fertile soil are included in slide number eight. Getting our hands dirty, we would expect a fertile soil to easily crumble into individual aggregates indicating good soil structure. As we've learned, the aggregation of a soil is a major factor in its porosity and aeration. We can also look at the color of a soil. Fertile soils are generally biodiverse and rich in organic matter, making them darker in color. Finally, a more neutral pH means a greater availability of required nutrients. Slide 9 reveals more about this impact. Figure 9.24 on the right shows the effect of pH on different nutrients. The width of each band indicates its availability in the soil. As we see, a more neutral pH in the range of 6 or maybe 7 provides the greatest range and amount of nutrients. At lower and higher pH, we see limitations. Of note is the interesting patterns involving phosphorus. These indicate the interactions between phosphorus and associated metals, which can reduce plant availability. We'll discuss this more when we get into the phosphorus cycle in a couple of podcasts. In this podcast, we've discussed a little bit about soil fertility and the ways we can assess it on a simple and qualitative basis. Fertility is a human-centered concept, but it does speak to the general health of a soil. Next podcast, we're going to get into the nutrient cycles and start with nitrogen. Until then.